Welcome, learners and learn-it alike, to help teach. Hello and welcome to our community audio project. I am your host, editor, producer, and project co-lead, Mihai Kovasser. I'm also a youth living with a physical disability. My most formative experiences living with a disability have come in the Canadian public education system. Many students like me with physical, emotional, or mental challenges go through their years of schooling lacking the supports and accommodations they need to partake of the same opportunities offered to their peers. The vision of this project is to provide educators in Canadian classrooms, students with disabilities, and members of the general public with the tools and knowledge that they need to make our institutions more accessible and inclusive for all. Join me and a diverse cast of guests as we explore perspectives on disabilities in education in this podcast series. One last message for you teachers tuning in. Listen in each episode for our key takeaway that you can implement in your classroom today to help us further this vision. On today's episode, Breaking the Double Digits, I have a great guest here to talk to us a little bit about her work with students in the educational system that are deaf or hard of hearing, as well as her journey through education and teaching. So I would love, without further ado, to introduce our guest for this episode, Amarinder Mehta. Amarinder, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mihai. It's wonderful to be here with you. As I do with all my guests, why wouldn't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're located, where you're currently working, and in what capacity? I would love to just hear a little bit about you. I am located in Nanaimo, British Columbia, on Vancouver Island. I'd like to gratefully recognize and acknowledge that I live, work, and play on the unceded territory of the Sinane, Snono, and Stenemus people. I also acknowledge the ancestral and continued connection to this land of the Métis Nation. My job, well, I wear many hats. And uh, one of those is as a teacher of the deaf and a hearing itinerant teacher. So those are two very different things. I work here in Vancouver now, and I work all over Vancouver as an itinerant. And it is such a privilege to work with the people that I work with and to learn from the students that I get to learn from and to teach the students that I get to teach. Because for me, there's just so much going back and forth between myself and my students. I can say that not only am I a teacher, I'm also a learner of my students. So mm -hmm. so why don't you tell us just briefly, what is the difference then between a hearing itinerant and a teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing? I'd love to, to hear that distinction. Okay, so as a teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing, I do have qualifications to teach as a classroom teacher. I've chosen to specialize in deaf and hard of hearing in the auditory oral uh, realm of deaf education. So small d deaf. To become an itinerant, you have to be a teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing. So it's kind of like a, a segue into this itinerant work, which is really working on a curriculum that is complementary to and sometimes very different than what students are learning in their mainstream schools. Mm -hmm. So that's, that is like, uh, for example, self-advocacy, mm -hmm. learning about the many facets of communication. So there's just so many different things that we do and the learning is great. 
So how did you get to this point? What has been your educational or your workplace trajectory that's led you to settle in this line of work? That's a really great question. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm the type of person with like a, a plan ever, you know, um, <laughs> this came out of my heart and it's my heart's work. Technically, I have a honors specialist bachelor's degree in psychology from Toronto at the amazing York University, which was like a second home to me and became a first home when I was teacher's assistant in health psychology. I took a little break after a lot of years in education and I started a family and I've got four beautiful kids. Um, Congratulations. And a wonderful, yeah, thank you so much. Um, my husband's supportive and our family is really close knit, the six of us. I really looked at special education more closely after the birth of my first child. And I took a master's degree from the University of Toronto and I got my teaching uh, credentials at the same time, which brings me to deaf ed, really through the life experience of being a parent of someone who identifies as deaf and hard of hearing without hearing amplification. So in a nutshell. <laughs> Speaking of which, that did lead you to connect with one of my previous guests. And I thought that was very, very interesting. For our audience listening, I have had Elise Doucette on the show a couple of times now to speak to her life experience as well as to education as a right of the child. And you have worked with Elise in the past. Is that right? Yes. And Elise and I have had many conversations about education as a human right, long conversations. <laughs> uh, and so we met through the education system here in British Columbia. Yeah. And of, yeah. of course, Elise was the one to connect us. So uh, Elise, if you're listening yes. to this episode, thank you very much for that. <laughs> so you did mention just earlier that you do wear a lot of hats. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that, about the plethora of hats you wear on the daily and what kind of different perspective that gives you. Okay, no, that's a really great question. So these multiple perspectives and coming from a really humbled, intentional, grounded place, I can see things from the many experiences that I've had as a neurodiverse learner in the system. Mm -hmm. I can see experiences through the perspective of a parent of a person who identifies with a different ability. I can see different perspectives as an educator looking through the curriculum or through alternative curriculum, our deaf and hard of hearing itinerant alternative curriculum. And so just using all of these different um, lenses to help me understand students or understand needs and understand gaps in learning, I can bring those as solutions to others and connect in that way. No, absolutely. Coming into it with a variety of perspectives means simply that you can walk in your learner's shoes and be able to apply different modes of teaching and of thinking to different situations that allow them to feel more understood, I think, in, in the yeah, classroom, yeah. which I think is, is essential. And that's applied worldwide as well for you. You've taught in many different places around the world, and that's brought you a, a wide variety of perspectives on the situation as well. So would you mind telling us a little bit about different places you've taught and maybe an experience that you remember from traveling and teaching abroad? 
Absolutely. I was in teaching long before I was in teaching because I always select options for myself that are in line with what I love. Mm. So I've, <laughs> I've taught at different places around the world. I've had amazing opportunities uh, and I've been able to travel to where my family is originally from in India and learn how to learn and, and learn how to teach in, in that space, which was really empowering and was a catalyst for, for me going there as a teacher and changing how I saw teaching. I, I was confronted with all of these new experiences and, and new ways of doing that kind of broke my mind. And I had to think, okay, I have to learn first. I, I can't do this with this paradigm. I've got to unlearn, relearn in order to do this in this space. And I've been doing it ever since. These different spaces have allowed me to see what works and what doesn't work, see how policy really shapes what we do and how we do it. Mm. And if we can do certain things, and that's really been eye-opening and enraging actually yeah uh, most times speaking of which you were mentioning this concept of being at once a learner and a teacher so before we move into that i'll say don't go anywhere audience members because in the second half of this episode we are transitioning to talk about exactly that what it means to be a teacher and a learner as well as an advocate and a caretaker of your students so don't go anywhere we'll be right back Welcome back to Help Teach. Today I am here with my guest, Amarinder, and we are discussing her life's work as well as this concept of the teacher as a learner. And you mentioned just before we took a break there that your experience, especially in India, caused you to really take a new perspective on what it means to be a teacher. There are three categories that I really would like to touch on today. The first is teacher as a learner, as we've been saying. So I was hoping you could start by just telling us a bit about what that means to you, what it means to be a teacher and at once a learner and how that's impacted your work. Okay, um, teacher as a learner and teacher as a teacher, it's a mindset. It's a mindset and an intention that inform what you do, how you do it and engagement between you and your student. It shows that you're interested and that you're willing to learn and allow your student to teach you. I know it's 100% a mindset and, and it impacts students and, and teachers in this dynamic where, you know, one is supposedly in such a powerful position mm -hmm. and the other is there to be told what to do, such top-down ways of doing, which, you know, what I've noticed in British Columbia is what I've noticed in so many spaces it allows for a neutral, inviting, culturally inclusive, neuro-inclusive space where there's a back and forth between mm. people. And that's what we are. We're, we're people learning from each other. That's the journey mm. we're on. So first of all, it's a mindset. Learning from students about who they are and uh, understanding more of what they know helps you as an educator help your student connect the dots between curriculum, alternative curriculum, whatever it is, and where they're at to what you're teaching. So mm. in, in an educator lens, that is so helpful. 
it, it must be difficult to change that perspective once you've worked as a teacher for some time in such a traditional curriculum, in such a traditional system of learning, to change your perspective to, okay, I have some learning outcomes. I have some things that I want these students to be able to do by the time they leave my class. I have some content, some facts that I want to teach them about the world. But the way that that is presented is totally up to you as a teacher in a lot of ways. And making it a back and yep. forth must be yep. must be difficult to get used to, hey, once you've already worked for some time in a different kind of context. Right. And so I was raised in one context and I was privy to an international school where I saw best practice in action and I saw the uh, impact of true learning on the lives of my children who attended. And that really was a model for me of what learning could be. And in my education at Mm. Boise, the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at the Jackman Institute for Learning, we took a really ecological lens and and saw student-centered learning as learning that's impactful and has such longevity for for our students in front of Mm -hmm, us. And mm -hmm. so I'm really grateful to all of those experiences without which I may be not so critical of what I experience as a parent uh, with my kids and and what I do myself and am critical in my own pedagogy and in what I see in classrooms all over. So I'm really grateful Mm. to that, to have this sense of what, could be how mm-hmm. powerful students are at every age to be self-advocates and have such efficacy mm. in what they do and that's a goal for me is to bring what i've seen yeah i think that's key because it's hard not to think of teaching as something set in yeah. stone or the classroom as something set in stone and what students can do at each age yeah set in stone and i think i mean i had this conversation in my last episode with um ty bielenko regarding maximizing potential of each student in the classroom and unless you focus on learning based on student needs that's something that can't really happen i think to the to the maximum extent possible as someone who understands that and is trying to promote that in the system what does that look like for you to be a teacher and at once advocate activist, whatever word you might like to use to describe yourself in that respect. Well, how has that experience been for you to try and promote that after having recognized it? It depends on who you're working with and, you know, what that team or what that educator or what that person's mindset is. So if it's something like mine, where I'm ready to learn at the drop of a dime, I've got my notepad and I'm ready to go. And I know that we don't know everything. We have to continually learn to, to be better versions of ourselves. But I've you know been in situations where it's been really tough. Not you know, every person is going to agree on one way of doing things. That's why we've got to follow our students' lead is because they're exactly why is there's not one way. And we as educators have to learn as many ways as we can to meet all the people that we meet where they're at and help them get where they're going. (laughs) 
it really depends. I, I can't say that it's ever easy or, or too difficult, but I am ready to yeah. fight the fight and in the best way, in a good way, with a good mind and a good heart and, and not in a way mm. that's top down in any sense, because if you're working with an educational team, you're also learning from that educational team and what works best for them and yeah. how they learn best. You know, I always check my it's... bias before I start any kind of work like this because, you know, there is emotion involved. It's an emotional thing. And I think I would be remiss to say that that doesn't influence my own work as well. What I hear from you is that changing that mindset and sort of working on the individual level to make sure that each person you're communicating with understands your position, that you understand their position mm -hmm. and to help them grow and change that mindset and become more open-minded learners. That's the approach that you've started to take a sort of brick by brick mm, method, yes. if you will. And I think a lot of us are brought up working in that way. If we're brought up as advocates for whatever cause we may be fighting for. Now, my ultimate vision is to get the curriculum modified or changed, remastered, if you will, to include more pieces for educators in training regarding all of these things that we talk about, disability in the classroom, but also mindset, also resources that they have at their disposal. And so in a sense, that is a top-down way of working because in my experience over the course of my life, I've worked bottom up a lot. I've changed maybe a classroom, I've changed a school, maybe my school district has implemented something that I've been working towards, but it's always piece by piece, whereas I, I see some potential to change the system in a large swath by getting the curriculum of educators in training adjusted so that they come into the classroom already more prepared to teach in the way that would be best for, for more students. It's almost ironic to say it because that is a top-down way of working and it is telling a large group of individuals how they should act or what they should learn or how they should teach. But there's something to be said about introducing universal design and a generalized yeah. change to the system. So I think that's something where we disagree a little bit, but I think both methods have value in their own way. Right. But I think in your vision, there are options and access points for teachers as learners. Mm. There is a baseline where education is a human right and certain pieces like understanding different disabilities and how they impact students in the classroom and understanding a tiered lesson plan to create some access points for multi-level students in the classroom that could be life-changing and should be the should of all of what you're saying. My only issue is that, and this is where we butt heads, is it's not a curriculum that changes the way you do things. A curriculum gives you like a map. It gives you an idea of, okay, these are the things that I have to teach. This is the what of what I have to teach, but it's not the how. And all of the science and the art and the heart are in the how. <laughs> so we've got to learn through professional learning circles and we've got to learn from each other's mistakes because we make them. There's got to be some kind of pathway between theory and practice. We need an open, wide connection between theory and research. And I strive to do that extra PD because I want to do everything in my best way because that's what people deserve. That's what my students deserve. That's what our kids deserve. That's what the future deserves. And that's who we're serving. Mm -hmm. We're serving the students of the future. 
So it only makes sense to go all the way and do our best in a brick by brick yeah. method, like you said. Mm. No, absolutely. And I think that quite handily brings us to and at the same time kind of sums up our last point about the teacher as a caretaker, right? The teacher is someone who is responsible for the educational and social development in a lot of ways of students in a classroom. I had this talk with Tabialenko, as I mentioned, and it's something that I like to talk about is in, what is your intention as an educator, right? Like, why are you really there? The educators who will listen and the people who will start to listen to my show are likely people who already have some idea of wanting to make a change, of wanting to improve their style of teaching. And of course, I'm trying to reach all educators in some ways and trying to demonstrate how my experience has informed what I see as best practice for education as well, right? And so it's not a critique of anyone to ask, oh, why are you really mm -hmm. here? Like, are you really here to be mm -hmm. you know, a teacher? Or are you just trying to exercise some kind of power complex? Like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to bring right. across. But rather, I'm just trying to say that that self-reflection on what are your motivators as an educator, how is it that you learn and how is it that you want your students to learn Based on your own thinking, your own philosophy of learning, you can model best practice for students. And of course, research and other sources will influence what that is for you. And I think that's why I talk about curriculum in the sense that curriculum can be a way to get access to frameworks and content. Of course, you can't change someone's okay. mindset just by telling them what to teach. But there's a starting point or access point that all teachers have to go through. Mm -hmm. So that really is about the teacher as the caretaker of the student. And as you say, bringing the next generation of students and learners to the fore in the world. Yes. Yeah. And I was going to add something there. We as humans, we've really got to be able to understand our innate bias or biases and be able to learn and understand how we learn best. Those are two things that, you know, not everybody walks around with that knowledge. Like, got to actively understand yourself better as a learner, as a person who is privy to people from all over, from all different walks of life, different experiences. You've got to understand your response to those new situations. That's interesting. As a teacher, I think it can be easy to get locked in this mindset of, I know things and I know how to teach and therefore I'm in a position to tell that to people and it's hard to go back and say wait a minute how am I still a student and what strategies work for me best as a student and so you've given me some wonderful resources which will be in the episode description but to reiterate for for educators the key takeaway for this episode Amrinder has provided kindly and I have put into the description a bias assessment tool as well as a few different learning needs tests which you can take on your own time it shouldn't take more than a couple minutes per test right Amrinder Yeah it really helps you understand yourself better and the way that you learn better and it will open you up to learning around you that happens constantly and it is a trap you know we we think we know and so we teach and when we make mistakes we reflect which is what you know your wonderful podcast is allowing us to do is to reflect on our work and get better that's the goal is to get mm. better and so these are tools that you could use to start that process absolutely if you so choose and yes. you know as much as this show is designed to bring you some of that information and bring us perspectives we rely on your help as audience members as well to spread the word so 
if you use these tools and they're useful to you and you'd like to share them around, by all means, that's what we're encouraging is uh, to, to foster and to share continuously a mindset for learning and teaching in ways that even though, as, as you see, Amarinder and I here talking, maybe different between people, we're all really aiming for similar goals, or at least if we're not, we're trying to encourage you to consider what other goals might be possible. So I'd just like to thank you very much for coming on the show today, Amarinder. It was wonderful to talk to you, and hopefully I can have you back soon sometime. Thank you for having me, Mahai. You've just heard another episode of the Community Audio Project Help Teach. I'd love to give a huge thank you to my other co-leads on this project, Peyton Given, Maggie Manning, Elise Doucette, and Alexis Holmgren, all youth leaders at the Rick Hansen Foundation, who I'd also like to thank for their continued support in this initiative and others. I'd like to give a huge shout out to our community mentor for this project, Charles Kutzia. My name is Mihai Kovasser. I am your host, editor, and producer for this podcast series. As promised, you can now find all our transcripts, episode notes, and links to other resources on Transistor.fm, or listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions about the show, if you'd like to offer suggestions, or you would like to be connected as a guest, you can now get in touch at helpteachpodcast at gmail.com. That's helpteachpodcast at gmail.com. Please send in any questions that you might have regarding our episodes, and we would love to address them in future ones. Tune in next time for more great conversations and key takeaways that you educators can implement in the classroom today to make it a more accessible and inclusive place for all. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.